Good morning, CityGates. Mike here. I'm going to be sharing the message today. And uh, I'm going to be talking about recovering lost ground and let us is going to be my theme. And you'll see the passage of scripture I'm talking about. So, you know, we continue to be gripped by the devastating scenes in Afghanistan and uh, the unfolding tragedy in Haiti. And so please, can we continue to pray genuinely pray uh, for these world events uh, and give generously to assist uh, the earthquake victims through our connections to Compassion Canada. Um, These are genuine crises that are playing out in real time before our eyes. And as Tom and Corey so passionately shared last week, the temptation to turn away and ignore the plight of these people must be resisted. We have to be uh, diligent in maintaining prayerful and financial aid wherever possible. You know, life and death situations like this don't require you to, to manufacture a sense of urgency um, if you're caught up in the middle of something as, as dramatic as this. You know, the closest I've been to this is not me at all, but my sister-in-law and brother-in-law, Edwina's sister and husband, uh, were emigrating into Canada and had to go to, they were living in Dubai, had to go to Kuwait to get their paperwork finalized. They arrived August the 1st and August the 2nd, the tanks rolled in to Kuwait as Iraq invaded. And uh, there was about a process of a month that it actually took them, including a trip through the desert of Iraq itself, often at uh, gunpoint at these different checkpoints that they had to get out of the vehicle at. They were in a broken down bus, uh, no food, no change of clothes, um, ended up at the Turkish border for two days, sitting on the ground, no food, one-year-old baby with no milk, and just ended up having to drink water from a pipe uh, that was dirty. I mean, just a horrific situation. And ultimately in their pleading, Turkey opened the border they were able to get through. The Indian consulate was there and gave them a whole $10 each. And, um, and it ended up being um, a dramatic but happy ending. And so, um, you know, it could easily have gone the other way. And so that's the closest I've been to a scenario like this. And I spoke to my sister-in-law uh, actually this morning. And she said watching those scenes in Afghanistan has reminded her of that experience that they had. Now, I'm not going to apologize for the fact that I, we live in the West, especially in a a great and stable country like Canada, that gives us a great standard of living. It's easy for us to feel guilty about that. Um, But, you know, Acts 17, I think, speaks of the sovereignty of God in in us being in the right place at the right time. So God chooses the, the boundaries of where we live for the purpose of us being his instruments to reach out to others. And so... You know, I don't think we should feel guilty about where we live. However, the freedom that we have as uh, in the West carries with it its own snares and carries with it its own dangers. And uh, I don't think we should be ignorant of those, especially in the context of being a Christ follower. So in, in kind of the, this is the context of which I'm talking today from Hebrews chapter 10. I will read the passage uh, that I'm going to cover from verse 19 to 25, and then we'll, we'll get into it a bit. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that's opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience 
and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, Ryan did a really great job last week talking about how this is a defining moment in many ways for city gates, uh, specifically as gathering restrictions have been loosened. I won't say lifted, but loosened. Uh, and so as, of course, as a church, as a church leadership, we're asking God what that means for us going forward. You know, we have learned how to be an online church during COVID and uh, small groups, I think, have allowed us to experience uh, some level of Christian community uh, as a complement to the online experience. But now we're looking to regain lost ground um, as we move to larger corporate gatherings again. And uh, while the sense of urgency we have is not going to compare with the ones I talked about earlier or they're experiencing in these other countries, um, I think it is more important that we probably think it is that we prioritize regaining lost ground. You know, um, you know, the context of the passage I read in Hebrews chapter 10 uh, is a detailed and lengthy discourse on the difference between the old and the new covenants. That's what's so fascinating about Hebrews. It really lifts up the hood and lets you look under the hood at God's plan from a larger level. Um, the difference between living under the law of the old covenant and its requirements as against living as a Christ follower under the new covenant. And so from the time that you know God created Adam and Eve, our parents, and they chose to disobey God and become the masters of their own destiny, mankind has had a sin problem. And the pathway back to a relationship with a, a God who hates sin uh, included a covenant that he made with Israel that demanded visible sacrifices and sorry, demanded visible reminders of their sin in the form of blood sacrifices. Hebrews details those sacrifices and summarizes God's requirements under the old covenant in comparison with his new covenant. So if I was going to summarize why sacrifices were important, symbolically, I would say, this animal died so that I may live. That would be the mindset of those that were in the sacrificial system. This animal is dying so that I don't die. It was a replacement for them. So in Leviticus, uh, which is really one of the, the main books where the laws are outlined, uh, we read there were burnt offerings and there were peace offerings and sin offerings and guilt offerings, all of which required animals to be sacrificed and the holiest day of the year in the Jewish calendar is still Rosh Hashanah, the Day of Atonement. Uh, and then in the old under the Old Covenant, the high priest at that time would offer sacrifices specifically on behalf of the sins of the people. And, um, but we may be more familiar just from a, a, a Christian standpoint on Passover. Uh, because Passover was a, uh, in some ways kind of resembles, that uh, was the time when Jesus had the Last Supper on Passover. And so we may be a little bit more familiar with, with the Passover process. But during that time, as the Jews celebrated their deliverance from Egypt, they had to bring a lamb to the temple in Jerusalem. And depending on who you read, anywhere from 20,000 to 200,000 lambs were sacrificed in that one day um, 
as part of the Passover uh, celebration or ceremony. You know, it's hard to imagine that type of bloodshed, but I do remember when I first came to Canada and I was got some kind of Joe job, I was earning like $5 an hour and I was looking at the newspaper and saw an opportunity to, to work at Canada Packers. And Canada Packers was a food processing packing plant in the stockyards in the Toronto area, Western Road, St. Clair area. And, um, and when I went there, uh, I thought, well, I was probably paying about $10 an hour or something. I thought, man, I could... I would, I'd be wealthy if I had that. So uh, how, about, um, how about I get one of those jobs? So they asked me, would, you, would I be comfortable on the kill floor? And I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely, super comfortable. But the reality was, was that in those days, when you got into the area of the stockyards, you could smell a disgusting smell, a smell of death. It permeated the whole area. My stomach was already beginning to turn or had turned almost when I was having that conversation. Fortunately, they didn't hire me. I'm not sure I would have actually made the grade. Um, I'm not sure how scientific it was in those days either. The killing of the animals is probably pretty grotesque. Um, but regardless, um, I can still remember how that smelt. When they killed all these, these, uh, these lambs on Passover, you know, the blood would drain out and drain it down these drains and the brooks, all the brooks around there would turn red. The smell of dead animals must have been horrific. Just an incredible reminder of sin and the power of sin uh, in our lives. Now, the important thing to, to remember here is that as they were doing these sacrifices, they were not changing the sacrifice ores on the inside. The sacrifices, they simply satisfied God's demand. Um, they reminded Israel of their sin. Yet, they also allowed them to walk free from the consequences of the sin for the next year. And then, they had to repeat the pattern over and over and over again. Now, just visualize this, this lifestyle of sacrifice and laws and rules and regulations. Now compare this religious life, which some, some people say, as they counted them out, I certainly haven't, more than 600 laws that we can see in the Old Testament, multiple uh, annual sacrifices that include this trip to Jerusalem once a year. The author of Hebrews compares this entire religious lifestyle um, with the sacrifice of Jesus. And one verse stops us in our tracks. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. For by that one offering, he, may, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Read it again. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. When Jesus hung on that cross and said, it is finished, the temple curtain that separated God from mankind was torn from the top to the bottom. The curse of sin was broken over mankind. And the multiple uh, old covenant laws were fulfilled. And the system of sacrifices rendered obsolete at that point. And this one offering uh, did not, the offering of Jesus did not cover our sins for 12 months. It, it obliterated them. It absolutely drove them out of our lives for all those who put their faith in Jesus. And perfectly connects us to a, a blamelessly to a father as we start a life of transformation. So all of those sacrifices, all of those laws 
Jesus, by one offering, forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Crazy, isn't it? And so um, with that framework, uh, we, we look at this passage and uh, we want to kind of bring it home on some practical current day applications. So I'll start off with verse 19 again. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. And I want us to notice here before I go on the language. It's we and us. The author is talking to Christ's followers together as he spells out both the privilege and the responsibility uh, or duty of living under the new covenant. The earthly temple uh, of, the, uh, of the old covenant with its structured layout and forbidden access areas to the Jewish people outside of the priesthood and the high priest have now been replaced by a non-physical equivalent with a resurrected Jesus as our high priest. Remember, the high priest's responsibility was to minister to God on behalf of the people and to minister to the people on behalf of God. And so now we have confidence based on that one sacrifice to go to God directly, knowing that Jesus is praying for us and acting as our high priest and our mediator. Unbelievable. And so as we get into verse 22, there's some some well-known passages here for sure. Verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart. Um, And then verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. And verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another. And uh, so here's the deal. None of the let us exhortations are going to be practiced in isolation. They're not going to be, they're not going to happen, happen passively watching TV church. Even the most diligent prayer and devotional Christian will only experience a degree of what the author is exhorting us uh, and exhorting the church to practice. Some disciplines were just simply made to be practiced in community. So let's look at those. Um, let's look at those three let us passages. So let us, number one, let us draw near together. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You know, in every community I've ever been a part of, there are those that have this full assurance of faith and there are those that don't. And when we sing and we encourage each other and we proclaim together what Jesus has done for us, how we are guiltless and blameless in the sight of God, but on a journey together of sanctification or holiness, the strong become stronger and the weaker become stronger. It's a a win-win. You know, those that have had a rough week and are struggling with sins um, are reminded in this corporate context of the grace of God and find a safe place to confess their struggles, their faults with others, and can experience the grace and forgiveness of God afresh. You know, the temptation when we are struggling is to pull away. This passage exhorts us to draw near and allow the glorious light of the gospel to shine into the darkness. You know, over the years, I've, I've seen, been around the church a long time, 
And, you know, of all of the different elements, um, when I know somebody's struggling, uh, it's not because I, I suddenly notice that their prayer life has got, isn't as effective or they're not reading the scriptures. Yeah, that's probably happened as well. But the first sign that somebody's struggling is a desire to pull away. They don't want to be around other people. Why? Because maybe it's a struggle they're not prepared to, uh, to deal with or maybe they're just uh, enjoying it. Um, but they don't want to be around the light that comes in a community. Uh, they don't want to answer difficult questions, so they withdraw. They go AWOL. And um, yeah, I've seen it for years. Um, obviously, try and go after people like that. You know, try and encourage them to, to come to the light, you know, come back into community. You know, this is where you're actually going to get whole, experience wholeness. But more, than, more often than not, when they start sliding away, drawing near becomes harder and harder. So that's the first one is draw near. Let us draw near together. The second one is let us hold fast together. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Uh, the, the NLT says this, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Again, we sing together. We listen to the scriptures uh, being proclaimed together. It reconnects us and it re-anchors us in truth. When somebody, tells you so, when somebody tells you to hold on tightly, it's usually because letting go can have devastating consequences. You know, I remember, um, they don't have them so much anymore, but in England we used to have these very unsafe, what we call roundabouts. And there were these, um, these toys, you know, whatever, they're not toys, but in a playground they'd have this circular thing that would spin. You know, rough metal and, 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 you know, kind of back in those days, like concrete playgrounds or whatever. Not the cushy stuff, you know, not nice foam and a little bit of wood chips that, that you have today. And, you know, we would, we would spin those things real quick. And um, if somebody did not hold tight, there would be some serious carnage. Blood usually, skin left in the vicinity. And so... You know, we would say, hold on, hold tight, because if you let go, it's going to cost you some skin. And so I think when we say, let's hold tightly without wavering, um, we need to remind people, we have been made perfect through the sacrifice of Christ. But to be made holy requires us to hang on, to hang in, and not waver. And that is tough, if not impossible, to do it alone. And the, the final let us, let us consider together, I've put. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, I've quoted this passage in the past, and it's almost like the default passage when somebody doesn't show up to church. You know, people just say, hey, don't, don't not gather. It's bad. But really, when you read it, that's actually the second part. The first part is, is positive. It's let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. 
And so rather than jumping to verse 25, let's look at verse 24. The initial let us moment here is let us think of ways to motivate one another uh, to acts of love and good works, as the, new, as the N, uh, NLT states it. So as a lifestyle, Christ followers should always be looking at how they can encourage other Christ followers to be authentic believers. And obviously that can only be done in person. You know, when we neglect to meet, as the passage goes on to say in verse 25, we eliminate the vital part of the Christian life that not, cannot be replicated by any other means. The author of Hebrews was writing uh, to a church where some had made a habit of not gathering. And that not gathering habit has, in our case, been forced on us by a pandemic. And now we have to redevelop the gathering habit with a sense of urgency as we have, as we need to, and we must regain lost ground because world events should give us the heads up that the day is approaching. So we don't have a sense of urgency that's being imposed on us the same way that those in Afghanistan or Haiti or some other nation in crisis would have. Um, we need to look and examine the times and seasons that we're in and recognize that the scripture is telling us, you know, that we need to together hold on, consider how we can motivate each other to keep going in the midst of, of difficult times and, and, and encouraging each other to, to, to avail of the privilege of being a New Testament Christ follower, the ability to go to God together, to go to God alone, to go to God and, and pour our burdens out to him without it costing us uh, our livestock and, and, and uh, multiple trips to, uh, to, uh, to Mecca, so to speak. You know, it, we need to realize that we have had ground taken away from us and there must be a sense of urgency for us to regain the ground that we've lost. You know, when we started doing the uh, watch parties at the Waypoint. At the beginning, candidly, it felt a little bit optional. It felt like, well, we're gonna try this, and, and, uh, and we were, we were experimenting. Um, but it almost felt like, if you can make it, join us at the Waypoint. Otherwise, we're still gonna be running uh, our service um, live and in person, streamed out through the internet at 10.30. Um, I wanna kind of just raise the bar here a little bit. You know, watch parties are not designed as an alternate to the Sunday morning service watching at home. Watch parties are now the way that we do church together. Yes, there may be a situation where you're sick or something's happened or, or it's unavoidable that you have to stay home at that point. Yes, of course you can watch church. And we're still streaming out because people have come to faith through our online platform. And we will at some level continue uh, doing that. But that's not for us, you know? Many people have reasons why they can't join us. And they'll say, hey, I'm, I'm gonna come. They have reasons. As somebody once said to me, you know, that is a reason, but is, is it the reason? And I think for most of us, if we're honest, I'm gonna speak about myself candidly. I kinda liked being more relaxed. I kinda liked the fact that I could, you know, get up, do my, my thing, my workout or whatever, and you know, 
do the prayer online and then relax and have a coffee and, and watch the service. And, and um, but if, I was, if I'm really honest, I have to say I really wasn't completely engaged a lot of the time. I found it hard to be engaged. I wasn't really singing. Um, I mean, it's more of a spectator sport. And coming back to this community through the uh, the ga- through the uh, the waypoint, I've been coming to the waypoint, but through the watch parties, I just realized how much that I've missed. I realized how much um, of what I was doing was just going through the motions, but it really wasn't life. And just coming back and singing together and listening to the scriptures, even though it's still being broadcast at this point but through the, uh, through the screen, but then having a chance to pray together and interact with people and hang out after, go for lunch together, whatever the case may be. Man, it just felt great. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you are, haven't gone to a watch party yet, please, that's what we're doing at this point. We're seeking God. If there's something else in the future, we'll certainly make a change. We're, we're nimble as a church, which is terrific. But right now, this is how we're gathering. And the only way we can do these let us things together is if we're together. And so I want to encourage you to uh, prioritize this and not let any little thing you know, deter you from re, um, rehabiting yourself, so to speak. You have to realize we've fallen into bad habits. We have to now create new habits again. And that's hard work. I was saying to the small group, um, the other day when we were meeting, I said, there's so many, th- there's so few things in my life that I, have to, that I do just willingly. I mean, fishing, I don't have to fight myself to do that. But so many other things, whether it's uh, going back to the gym or exercising or swimming for an hour, whatever I have to do, so, or go on the road even for my business, I've got to fight the desire not to do it. And I fight through it because I recognize over my life, I cannot, I cannot, Uh, live my life based on how I feel or based on my desires, so to speak. A lot of things that I have to do, I don't want to do. But when I do it, when I've walked out, when I've swum for an hour, when I've cycled or whatever it is, or I've I've come to a, a gathering, at the end, I never say, wow, I wish I'd never done that. I always say, thank God I did that because it was a game changer. So I want to encourage you, don't settle on your feelings. You know, what I did was I asked a few people to share uh, what it's meant for them to come back uh, together. And, uh, and we're going to conclude with this. Uh, I want you to have a watch. And after this, Toby is going to come and lead us in communion and the commission. God bless you. Thanks for watching. Enjoy.